0: This is Chris from Play Comics and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrian and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm
1: Derek Myers and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
0: Episode 93, Best Supporting Performances. <laughs> Chris McBride here, along with Derek Myers, caveman himself. This is Pop Goes Your World. You'll find us on Twitter at C CMcbryan. That's me at Amaron underscore DM. For Derek, com is the website. And make sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you download and listen to the show there. Derek, what is new in your world?
1: Hey, Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm
0: doing well. I'm doing good.
1: I am also doing quite well. Uh, you asked what's, what's new in my world. Yes. So let me talk a little bit about pop culture. So... I watched a Netflix documentary this week called Fire. Oh, I watched that this week too. The greatest party that never happened.
0: I watched that this week too, yes. Now,
1: I knew absolutely 100% nothing about this topic. I knew nothing about the company. I knew nothing about the circumstance. Like this is based on a real thing, which I knew absolutely nothing about. But a number of the podcasts I listened to were reviewing it and saying it was great. And they were talking about the pros and cons. And I had no idea what they were talking about. So I went and watched this documentary. And let me tell you.
0: I loved it. It was good, wasn't it? I liked it too.
1: I really, really enjoyed it. Now, what I've since learned is there is a similar documentary on this same topic that was released on Hulu within a few days of the one that was released on Netflix that tells the same story but interviews different people so you get a slightly different Mm. point of view. Now, I don't have – we don't have Hulu here in Canada so uh, you know, it may be a while before I get a chance to watch it but I just found this fascinating that – this first of all this this very interesting topic was covered twice in two mm-hmm. documentaries by two different people and were released within a week of each other so it's uh yeah for those who haven't seen it again i i i think it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling too much mm-hmm. but it it was quite good i really it really
0: was liked it was good i liked it too my wife and i had heard about it. i saw a lot of it on social media and Did then you? i was like i was like oh what is this we got to watch this. and we had I don't, we had a, some spare time during the week, and I was like, "Let's watch this fire show." So we watched it. It was good. It was. It was almost kind of creepy in a way, just to realize like the, the depths that some people will go to just to make money, and just to you know the kind of corrupt you know intent that some people have. It's just oh, it was. I thought it was really really good. It was really
1: fascinating. I, I thought it also made a a very strong commentary about how we as a society are constantly changing and evolving and the power of social media and the dangers of social media and how if things are not put in checks and balances, you can really run amok. And I think the documentary does a pretty good job of of highlighting some of the pros and cons in that. Uh, Again, I I think if we talk too much about it, we may spoil it. Mm -hmm. So. I think it's up to people to maybe watch the trailer. If you've got Netflix, and I got to think just what everybody does, watch the ninety-second trailer. And if it even remotely seems like it's something you might be interested in, give it give it twenty minutes. I like by the ten or fifteen-minute mark. Mark, I knew absolutely I'm in. I'm all mm-hmm. in. I'm watching this. And then uh, you know there were a few other things that afterwards I sort of went, oh, let's check out this. Like I said, this they were not nearly as good. But uh, when something is, is is good like this. You really know right away and and I think this was one of those ones that – yeah, I watched the first 20 minutes and I'm like I'm all in. I'm yeah. watching this. I don't care if it's an hour, two hours, five hours. I'm all in. And, and I was really glad I watched all the way through.
0: Yeah, maybe we should uh, to discuss it on, a, on an upcoming show. So last night, I actually took my family to a very Canadian thing to do. I took them to a hockey game. So here in Barrie, Ontario, we have an OHL team. That's an Ontario Hockey League team. It's like a step below the NHL for, you know, anyone out there that's listening. Doesn't really know hockey. So anyway, I took them to this game. And the cool thing is, is that I know their social media director. So he said, hey, I'm going to hook you up. It's all good. So he was fantastic. He got me on the Jumbotron. I was playing a game, trying to guess which player was this thing, winning ice cream for our whole row. My kids were picked to go to center ice to be the the fans of the game. They got the players came out and autographed their stick and all this stuff. It was just a phenomenal experience for my family. And uh, it was just a really, really good time. So a very, very Canadian thing to do. So, So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, is I've decided I think I need to lose some weight.
1: Is this a new revelation, Chris? No, no. I mean, you're, it's... you're a pretty skinny guy. You're <laughs> famous.
0: Yeah, right. So <laughs> I've, i you've known me for like how we probably know each other for what like twenty years. He's
1: almost twenty years, twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. So
0: uh, I've always been a big beefy guy, but you know, I just, I don't know. I think I need to leave. It's just more of
1: to love, Chris. Just more of you to yeah, love. Yeah,
0: I know. The thing is that Christmas time is like just. Oh, man, it's anathema to me because I have all these like wonderful treats around the house. My wife bakes all this like brownies and like these haystack things she calls them. They're all like chocolate and nothing. And and, like just, oh, man, it's the worst. I eat all that stuff. I swear to God, from I would say from December 15th to December the 30th, I had a higher caloric intake than all of Rhodesia. Oh, my. (laughs) So anyway, it was just bad. Anyway, I got to do something about it. But in the meantime, why don't we get started on the topic?
1: Absolutely. Let's go. Let's hit it. I am a
0: super nerd. Dude, I don't know how you didn't get more girls in high school. Or guys for so that matter. I got no <laughs> <reason>. Nothing. You're <laughs> a man. Day. Just club them over the head and drag them over. Yeah. Oh my, my, my. And
1: I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. They're not a nerd. Oh, women kind of, love you. Well, yeah, they do, but they're all nerdy women,
0: so. The Fonz is 73 years old.
1: Raiders of the Lost Ark is basically Steven Spielberg giving a master's class on how to make a movie. I
0: found a Fonzie shirt
1: that I want <laughs> for Christmas. Side, yeah.
0: And my wife was like, You're not getting that. Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> okay, I finished okay so we decided we would take a look at some of our favorite supporting performances of all time you know with the oscars coming up and stuff like that you and i obviously love the oscars we mention them a lot on our show this is not an oscar show you know just want to just get that clear right off the bat instead we you and i were talking we said you know what would be neat to talk about some of our favorite supporting performances of all time some of those supporting actors and actresses they just don't get their due you know, it's always about the leading man and the leading lady and, you know, they get all the sort of all the glory. And so we being such movie buffs that we are, you and I, we decided we would put together. And so we're going back to our format of a top five list for this week. And we decided we go back and forth. We'd have a top five of our favorite sort of supporting performances of all time. So before we get into our list, though, I think maybe we should mention there's probably a few that maybe didn't make the cut you know, to the top five. And I'm just wondering, Derek, if you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to get into before we get into your list, because I have a few and I'll let you go Absolutely. first.
1: Absolutely. So, okay. So let me, let me build on what you said. Yes. So when we, when we discussed this topic, we said, let's, t- uh, I think at first it was, let's talk about best supporting actor or best supporting actress. Then we said, no, 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 let's not, that's not limited to gender. Let's talk about best perfor- supporting performer. And then during the course of the week, you and I actually had some discussions. Are we talking about an individual performance, a one-time, this movie, this TV show, or are we talking about a body of work? This person has always been a that guy and has done 50 things that make them the perfect supporting performer. And and we sort of circled back and went, no, 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 let's sort of pick a particular one time. This was the pinnacle of their supporting performances. So – That's obviously sort of the measuring stick we're going to use. But I want to emphasize, as with every show, this is our personal favorites, not necessarily the ones we think are the absolute best textbook, who is the absolute best, best supporting female actor of all time, best performing performance in a movie, whatever. So again, reflects our personal opinions. And I got to think if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably got a sense of what our tastes are like. So hopefully... You agree with some of our picks, and if you don't, let us know why.
0: Mm-hmm. So, okay,
1: so we wanted to talk about a few honorable mentions. These yes. are people that didn't make the top five.
0: Didn't make your cut, but uh, but, they, cut. but they're worth mentioning. So who do you okay. got?
1: So I want to say that more of my list than not are actually people who made their beef and made their bones on television. I, I didn't rely so much on uh, single movie performance. Now, some of the some of the people surely certainly did, but my honorable mentions. I have three of them, all made their, in my opinion, their best supporting performance in television. So, in no particular order. Oh, please, I be s- please be Fonzie.
0: Please be Fonzie.
1: Well, you just wrote it. No, <laughs> I figured I would save that one for you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Okay,
1: so I've got three. I won't spend okay. a lot of time. On the first one. I just finished binge watching The Game of Thrones, and I, so I got to go with Peter Dinklage. Oh, that's plays a good one, Tyrion yeah. Lannister in Game of Thrones. This okay, so Peter Dinklage is an amazing actor, and you could you could argue that he's even a lead performer in that show. But there are so many characters in that show, you've got to say that he's supporting. And yeah. every year, that show's been on for seven seasons so far. He has been nominated for Best Supporting Performer every season it's been on the air, and he's won three times. So. This is a guy that everyone agrees is great, and he is amazing. So he is one of my honorable mentions. Didn't quite make the list. Good one. The next one is Christine Baranski. She has been around for a long time. She is known uh, and respected as a a stage performer, Mm -hmm. has won, I believe, numerous Tony Awards, and has obviously been in quite a bit of TV and in movie mostly in a supporting role. And as I've mentioned on a numerous occasions, she plays a very important role in the show, The Good Wife, and now the new spinoff, The Good Fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in The Good Wife specifically, she was a supporting character and was fantastic. The show ran seven, I believe it's seven seasons, and her character of Diane Lockhart was fabulous. And so let me say this. My feeling of how to judge if someone is a, su- a good supporting performer is... How does their performance emphasize and and complement the lead? Like a good supporting performer should do that. You should be able to sort of say this person more than any other actor I could think of is in this role. And because they were so good in that role as a supporting role, it made – the lead performers seem that much better and or made the actual full show or movie that much better. And both Peter Dinklage and Christine Baranski, in my opinion, they those roles could not have been played by anybody else to that level of excellence. And in both cases, they have made the people they work with, the lead performers, that much better. So those are my two honorable mentions.
0: OK, so I think you mentioned a really good Point there and it's saying that the supporting performance, the best supporting performances that, you know, that that, that are out there are the ones that support, you know, the lead and they really complement the lead and they complement the story and they move the story along and definitely all five that made my top uh, top five, you know, they fall into that category. They definitely support the story. They support the leads. But I have a couple of honorable mentions. Now, two of them, uh, let's say three of them are kind of funny ones. Like, I know I like those funny movies. And so, like, they're not really, like, sort of, you know, critically acclaimed performances by any stretch of the imagination. But I loved Curtis Armstrong as Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. And he just absolutely <laughs> just stands out to me nice. as somebody who I just loved as a supporting character. Um, nice. John Belushi uh, as Beludo in Animal from 78 stands out to me. John Candy as Dewey Oxburger in Stripes from 81. Man, I just loved him in that role. I think Terry Gar in almost anything that she has ever done, but especially to be young Frankenstein as Inga and in Tootsie when she was Sandy in 1982. Like uh, Terry Gar is phenomenal. Everything. um An honorable mention that there's no big surprise from Star Wars, Sir Alec Guinness, I think, is Ben Kenobi. Um, And then he was also a ghost in the other ones, but even though Lucas ruined it with Hayden Christensen over top of Sebastian (laughs) Shaw, but I won't get into that. Um, And then the last one I'll mention, the honorable mention, is kind of an odd one maybe you might think, but is Lewis Gossett Jr. He was Drill Sergeant Foley in An Officer and a Gentleman in 1981, and his career kind of languished after that. Like he was just kind of in these Iron Eagle movies after that. But if you're not familiar with his role in Officer and a Gentleman, oh my God, he is Off the charts, good. And it just totally supports the story and it drives the story. Those are my honorable mentions. So now we're going to come down to our top five. Number five, Derek, who do you got?
1: So Chris, before we get into that, yes. when you said Lucas Jr., I yep. thought you were going to say Lucas Jr. in Enemy Mine, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> which
1: is one of my favorite movies. It's one of those guilty pleasure <laughs> sci-fi movies from yep. my childhood. Oh, so yeah. when you were like Lucas Jr., I'm crossing my fingers, going Enemy Mine, Enemy oh, Mine, really? Enemy yep. Mine. You went an officer, a gentleman. I'm like, like oh, oh man, man. I like, I like the, 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 the obvious the, choice again, as usual.
0: I Chris. liked it better when he was the alien who had gave birth to a baby. Yeah, that was better. <laughs> 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 anyway, so okay, what do you got?
1: All right. So uh, now let me tell you, I I really struggled with sort of putting these performers in order, like ranking them one to five. And I really couldn't come up with an ordering system that I liked. So I want to preface this by saying I'm going to give you five names over the course of this show. Really, any one of them could have fit in any of the one to five slots. I really want to emphasize these are in no particular order. Fair enough. I, I really had a hard time sort of saying. This one was better than that one. In my opinion, these are five great supporting performers. And in each case, I like I'll call out sort of the one that I like the most. And Mm -hmm. I think in those cases, they were just so good in those performances that they could have been anywhere in the number one to five list. I'm the same
0: way with my top three movies of all that. They're just kind of interchangeable. So I get it. So it makes sense.
1: Okay, so my number five. Yes. Is Jeffrey Wright. Okay. so Jeffrey Wright uh, always seems to be. The supporting actor. So, uh, people may know him. Uh, he's been in a number of things. I'm just going to call out a couple here. He uh, he was been in the Hunger Games series. He's been in the new reboot of James Bond. He played Felix Leiter. He also was uh, part of the miniseries Angels in America a number of years ago. He was in the uh, the movie Syriana. He was in the uh, the movie Oliver Stone's W about George W. Bush. He played Colin Powell. But the, the the role that I'm going to call him out for is his current performance in the HBO series Westworld. Mm-hmm. He is so good in this role. He He's always a guy that seems to like blend into the background. But when you need something to happen, his character stepped up, which again sort of emphasizes this is what a supporting character is supposed to be. He's not the star of the show. He's the character who – convey some important piece of information or or is the foil to act off of the lead or or is someone there who can you know uh, bounce ideas off of a more significant character and that's pretty much his role in Westworld he has a very important role to play in the overall show but the show's not about him he's just a very important piece of a much bigger puzzle and it, so my number 5 is Jeffrey Wright
0: that's a good one. I think I mentioned before on a previous show that um my wife and I started watching Westworld. I only made it through three episodes and I just gave up. I didn't like it. It was a little just too. I just didn't like it. But I will say this. He actually stood out to me. He's a very, very good actor. I yeah, like him. He's, he's also like- very politically active. I like him a lot. He's he's definitely good. And I can see where, you know, he'd be important in that show. OK, my number five might be a bit of a surprise. I mentioned the movie Tootsie when I mentioned Terry Gar, And. I'm going to stick with that movie because to me, that movie is, I've mentioned this before on the podcast as well, that movie is a masterclass in acting. And funny enough, it's centered around actors. That's what it's based on. And I'm going to go with Bill Murray in Tootsie from 1982. He played a character called Jeff. And the thing is, at that point, he'd already established himself as a movie star, right? He was able to carry a film, right? I mean, he was in Meatballs and Stripes, but he took a supporting role here and absolutely did killed it he gives a perfect comedic relief to this movie at key moments in the movie i'm especially thinking of there's a scene where um dustin hoffman is, is is as dorothy and he's basically in the midst of getting you know sexually assaulted by george gaines's character and murray walks in and breaks it up and then Gaines oh what's going on and Gaines leaves and there's just this hanging silence over the scene and murray looks at hoffman And delivers in total deadpan. He says, you slut. And it's just, (laughs) it's an insane moment in the film. Oh, it's so, his, I believe that his performance, you know, it goes to what we were saying before. It really compliments because he really compliments Hoffman. And and he's the perfect character to kind of, for Hoffman to reflect on what Hoffman's character is doing, why he's doing it. And the thing is, Murray just did it effortlessly. Like, it was just, just so, so effortless the way he did it. And like I said, the movie is basically a master class on acting. And him, he's he finds himself in the middle of all these situations. And he's able to play kind of all sides against everybody. And if you're a fan of Bill Murray, like a real fan, and you've never seen Tootsie, watch it. I'm going to for sure nominate that movie for an upcoming podcast. I think every single actor in the movie is outstanding. There's supporting performances from Gaines, like I mentioned, Terry Garr, like Dabney Coleman. There's Charles Durning, City Pollock, Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange actually won an Oscar for her performance, but Bill Murray was my favorite of all of them in one of my favorite all time movies of ever. And that's, I, I, I just loved his performance. Bill Murray and Tootsie, my number five. Nice,
1: nice. So uh, I will admit, I have only ever seen parts of Tootsie. I've never sat down and watched it start to finish, but I think I've seen most of it. Over the course of like eight different viewings where you sit down you're like, oh, this is on. I'll watch it for 15 minutes kind of thing. And yeah, I agree. The uh, The scenes I, uh, that I remember seeing with Bill Murray, exactly to your point, he's great.
0: And the thing with that movie, too, is I think most people reflect back on it or they see it and they see Dustin Hoffman's in drag and it's, oh, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. Tootsie's not a comedy. It really, really is. It has funny parts in it. Bill Murray mostly in most of them. But overall, it's it's a unbelievable character study and it's an unbelievable look at what it's like to be a woman. I think that movie is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, you're number four.
1: All right, so before I go on to number four, I want to just build on something you just mentioned. So, your number five pick was Bill Murray and you said that, you know, by this point, Bill Murray could and had demonstrated that he could carry a movie himself as a leading man.
0: Yes, he could.
1: So, I want to say that when I was picking my list, I had a few actors where I thought, in this role, in this performance, they are an amazing supporting actor or actress in, in an amazing role doing exactly what a supporting actor is supposed to do. But I tried to stay away from people who I felt could be or even were like leading performers who were just giving a supporting role. Not that that's any less difficult, but to me – a true supporting actor is sort of a that guy where it's never someone who does the leading role. Uh, maybe even it's never somebody who could be the leading role uh, either because of their inexperience if they're relatively young or just someone who over the years is always the supporting role, supporting role, supporting role. So as we continue to go through the rest of my list, I, I, I just want to – you know the listeners to keep that in mind. My list is comprised of people who for the most part – if not for the all of the part, they're never the leading person at all. So, anyway, we're on number four, right?
0: Yes, that's correct. You're number four. Okay.
1: So, number four, I'm going to go with Bill Paxton. So, Bill Paxton… Has uh, recently passed away, RIP Bill Paxton. Uh, He has been in a ton of movies. He's been in a lot of James Cameron movies, and those are probably the ones he's most well-known for, uh, most well-remembered for. Um, He was in uh, True Lies. He had a small part. He had a very uh, big sporting role in Apollo 13 with Tom hanks he actually had a pretty memorable role in the movie edge of tomorrow with tom hanks where or not tom hanks tom cruise pardon me wow freudian slip um where tom cruise is like uh constantly uh, dying and then reliving over and over again which again i love that movie and they're actually making a sequel but the role that i think he is most well remembered for especially in a supporting role is his role as private hudson in aliens
0: well, well that's it's a good one
1: yeah aliens. loved him in that movie he was so good and again he wasn't the star of that movie. This wasn't Bill Paxton in Aliens. It was Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. And here's a bunch of other people that you probably recognize, maybe not at the time, but since then, you now recognize in a number of supporting roles. And there, believe me, I could have picked any one of a dozen people to say supporting actor from Aliens. But Bill Paxton as Hudson in Aliens has some of the best lines. He delivers some of the, the funniest lines, the most... Uh, pertinent lines his take, his character's take a, on like what's happening, he's the character that a normal person watches aliens and they're like they think to themselves what's going on here, what would I do in this situation and Bill Paxton's character of Private Hudson he vocalizes it he's the every man in this movie where he's like, uh, you know, newsflash, we're not going to survive here man, like he's panicking, he's freaking out he's telling it like it is and in my opinion, in this movie, he is an awesome supporting character. He and and I think that of all of the roles that he's been, I mean, he did a few movies where he was the lead. He was in Twister as the lead, but again, I never really thought of him as the leading man. He always seemed to me to be at his best when he had a small performance in a bigger piece, among other, uh, uh you know, I don't want to say better actors, but more famous actors, where he just came in, did his little part. Uh, often it was a comedic part or it was played for laughs. Like in True Lies, he plays the used car salesman. And so obviously True Lies is a Schwarzenegger movie. But Paxton has these few key scenes where they are just hilarious scenes. And he, what he brings to it makes the scene that much better. Uh, whether he's playing off of – in the True Lies, he's playing off Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or well, whether in Aliens, he's playing off Sigourney Weaver. Uh, the, the, his role as a supporting actor – in aliens is, is my number four.
0: Well, when you mentioned you were going to do Bill Paxton, I was like, I really, really hope you're going to say his role as Chet in weird science. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go there. <laughs> it's all good though. He, he was really good. Uh, so number four, for me, I'm going with, have you ever seen the movie Arthur? I'm not talking with that remake that they made with uh, Russell Brand or whatever the hell that guy's name is. I'm talking with the one from 81 with Dudley Moore. Have you ever seen that movie?
1: I regret to say that I have actually seen it and I couldn't
0: stand it. I don't oh my like Dudley
1: goodness. Moore! I don't like Liza Minnelli. Oh. I don't like drunks. Oh, I, man. nothing redeeming about that movie, in my opinion. I could not stand it. Okay,
0: I will say this: there, there is nothing redeeming about the sequel. Okay, because in the sequel, it things. It, I don't want to get into it. It's not about breaking that movie down. I think that movie is absolutely fantastic. I love, wow. I love it from start to finish. I love every. Everything about that movie, most notably, notably the performances. And it's the, um, the performance of Sir John Gilgood as Hobson, the sort of his butler, you know, for lack of a better term. Unbelievable performance. And if you think of John Gilgood, you know, he started off, obviously, he started in the theater, right? And, and for a long time, he felt film was kind of beneath him. Like, that's not serious acting, you know, in film. And then, you know, inevitably, he, you know, made his way into film and and, and did it. And his role as Hobson in that movie is so unbelievable. So you you mentioned already, you know, Dudley Moore is obviously he's a drunk in this movie. He's rich, rich, rich guy who just drinks like crazy. And it's just who he is. That's just what he is. That is what he, he says in the movie. This is what I am. And. Hobson, John Gilgan's character, is his butler, and the thing is, though, it's like he's meant to hold him accountable, but he only holds him accountable in word only. Like he, he's he's really sharp tongued with him, and he like says all these things, and he insults him, and he tries to keep. But really, he lets him do whatever he wants. He doesn't really hold him accountable. He absolutely loves Arthur. He loves, and and, and it's so under the surface. His performance is. Unbelievable, and I, I know you don't like the movie, but I would challenge you to go back and see it again. Maybe we should do it on an upcoming show. I think that would be kind of interesting because you hate it so much, and I love it so much. Um, and 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 if if we do do it, I want you to go back and watch it and really take a look at Gilgood's performance and see what he's doing in this movie. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It, and it does it hits it checks off all the boxes. You know, like I said, it's it's a great performance. It supports the story. It complements the lead. It does everything. It is an outstanding performance so whether you like the movie or not john gilgood to me stands out as my number four
1: so i'm just looking him up here on the imdb I, I i don't remember ever seeing this person ever and it looks like he actually won an oscar for best supporting performance in arthur so he was yeah. obviously uh, t- you know to your point the masses agreed that he deserved recognition for this role but yeah the same have year no he did this no memory of this actor in this performance or wow any other performance. wow he, he,
0: he, he same same i think it was earlier that year he did uh, chariots of fire as well um he's he's a wonderful wonderful stage actor he's a wonderful film actor he's an absolute legend um and like i say i'm going to get you to watch arthur at some point in a future show i'm going to make a note of that right now and i really want you to pay attention to go performance so.
1: Well, so now I don't know so if good. I want you to make me watch the original Arthur or the revision Arthur because I don't think I I want to watch either one. But okay, we'll, we'll, well see what we can do.
0: <laughs> it's it's and trust me, the original is is a million times better than that crap that the fest that they made with uh, Russell Brand. I can say that. So anyway, what do you got for number three?
1: All right, number three, time to give the ladies some love. I mentioned Christine Baranski earlier, uh, uh, but now for my number three, I want to talk about Tandy Newton. So I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's, it's She spelled it with a T-H, but I think the H is silent. Tandy Newton. So, I believe so. Tandy Newton, uh, she's been in uh, uh, some very big movies over the course of her career. She was in Mission Impossible 2. She was in the Oscar-winning best, no- best, uh, best Oscar movie of Crash. She was also in the movie W about the George W. Bush. She played Condoleezza Rice. She had a uh, long-running character on the very successful 90s TV show ER. But again, much like Jeffrey Wright, she is currently in the TV show Westworld, the HBO Westworld. And I must have a love on for Westworld tonight. But she is so good in this and she – I believe she won the Emmy this year for the, for her performance. She is so, so good in this, this uh, show and she is absolutely deserving of all the accolades she has been receiving for this. She was – if I remember correctly, she was nominated season one, didn't win season two. She won. She is fantastic. Her character I, – I, I, now, OK. In any role by any performer, the role begins with the words on the page. Somebody created the story and the dialogue and somebody physically wrote up a character. And that's great. And if, you, if you're if you an actor and you're given a script and you're like, wow, this character is great, that's certainly a good start. But as a performer, you need to then bring that greatness to the screen. And I think she was given remarkable material to work with. And I think she just took it to the next level. And again, I know you've already said you couldn't really get into Westworld that much, but... Oh my God, she is fantastic. By far, she is the most outstanding performer in this show. And even if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't enjoying the show as much as I am, I would want to keep watching it just to see what she does next. She is so, so good in this.
0: I like the fact that you're kind of giving a lot of love, number one, to, to Westworld, but just to the small screen here, which is kind of cool. The, you've, you've had a couple of TV shows in there. I stuck mainly with movies, but I think I always think of Game of Thrones as almost like a movie. It's just so huge oh, and epic. It's just unbelievable, right? Um, TV is so much different than it used to be. Tonight, uh, before I came into to the studio here to do the show, uh, my wife and I were upstairs. We were watching um, uh, Three's Company. And and, and I was like, you know what? TV was so different then. It's like watching theater. There's just two cameras. It's just one set. And it's just actors just doing it. And now you watch something like Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, an unbelievable film. It's just, but 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 I like that. I like the vibe of giving the uh, the love to the, to the small screen. Very cool. Okay, my number three. I'm going back to 1975. And we have talked about this, uh, this movie on the podcast previously. And that's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Technically... This role actually won an Academy Award for Best Actress, but it is a supporting role. And I'm going to—that's a hill I'm willing to die on. And this is Louise Fletcher. She plays Nurse Nurse Ratchet in that movie. And it was so funny. It, the performance is, like, otherworldly. Otherworldly performance. And the rest of her career, she pretty much did nothing. <laughs> like, she didn't do much before. She certainly didn't do a whole lot after. And um, But in this movie, it's this— Quiet authoritarianism. It's just, she is probably the most passive aggressive character in the history of film. And she absolutely compliments um, McMurphy, Jack Nicholson's character, just perfectly. She is the absolute reason for him, for him, for almost every action that he takes in the film is because of her and trying to get under her skin and trying to beat her. And she is just quiet the whole time because she holds all the cards and she holds all the power in this situation and for the first half of the movie he doesn't realize that and the second half of the movie is him dealing with the fact that he has zero power and she has all the cards and this back and forth between them is just so incredible and i know you've probably you've, you've seen the movie i'm assuming right
1: many times many times
0: you you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah love it her performance is like off the charts good it is one of my favorite performances of all time and i'm glad you said earlier giving a little love to the ladies here because i it's time that i got to an actress and she is absolutely one of the best on-screen performances by an actress in the history of film louise fletcher so, one flew the was yeah. nest
1: so i agree i agree she was great uh, I, I again it is certainly a topic for debate, whether that it's considered a lead performance or a supporting performance. Right. And I think it all comes down to the semantics of what classifies you in one category versus the other. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I think it could go either way. And if you want to say it's supporting, I agree with you, but I want to also point out, you mentioned that she didn't really do a whole lot after, uh, you know, certainly nothing to the level of nurse Fletcher um, as a big sci-fi nerd. I am a huge fan of Star Trek in all its iterations that it's ever had. Right. And the Star Trek series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Mm -hmm. which is a, we'll call it a spinoff of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, she was featured prominently in that show. She played uh, Kai Nguyen, and she was basically a religious leader Of And again, a supporting role, it was like you had the the Federation and they controlled the space station and they were like the quote unquote military presence uh, over a, a world that had been devastated by war. And she was a religious leader from this world that was now in a rebuilding phase. But because they were so impoverished and so destroyed, the religious sect of this society had tremendous influence over the people. And to me, this was really an extension of her nurse ratchet character where she could be that passive aggressive. She could wield this immense power in a very subtle way and manipulate people and get things to happen the way she wanted them to happen without them realizing it. And I think that her role in Star Trek, although nowhere near as good as her performance in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you definitely needed someone with that uh, level of – acting chops to, to take that character as it was written and really emphasize this is what I think this character is really all about. And I think that she brought a lot to that character that any other actress would have not been able to deliver. So I I think that's another example of her ability to be that supporting performer. She Obviously, she's not one of the quote-unquote Star Trek people. She's not one of the Federation officers. She wasn't in every single episode of that show by any stretch of the imagination. But when she was in an episode, you knew she was going to do something, say something, or be in a pivotal scene where – If anyone else was doing it, it wouldn't have pulled it off nearly as well. So, yeah, I support what you've been saying about her 100%.
0: So this episode of The Pod is very interesting because every time I think you're going to go a certain way, you go a different way. And it's really interesting because right there when you mentioned, uh, oh, yeah, she has done stuff since then. And you're like, I'm a big fan of science fiction. I thought for sure you were going to mention that she was in Invaders from Mars. (laughs) (laughs) I just I don't know. I thought you were going there. That movie was just awful. So anyway. okay, what do you got for your number two? (laughs) All
1: right. All right. So again. No particular order, and really, I'm literally flipping – well, not literally. I'm metaphorically flipping the coin here. I'm going to say my number two is one of my all-time favorite, quote-unquote, that guys, Paul Giamatti.
0: Oh, yeah. He's
1: good. So uh, you've heard me talking recently on the podcast about the show Billions. He actually is one of the leads in Billions, so I sort of crossed that off the list. But Paul Giamatti is, in my mind, not a leading man. He's not sexy, he's not tall, he's not good looking. He is an actor's actor. He, he is an average looking guy an average physique if not you know you could argue he's a little overweight in a lot of his performances. Um, but he more than makes up for any potential shortcomings compared you know on the Hollywood beauty scale. By his
0: and he's attitude. sorry and he's bald too. Not that yeah, there's anything wrong with that, Kate.
1: Not that there's anything wrong with that either. <laughs> he has been in so many. Like you look at his IMDb. There's got to be a hundred credits there. He's in everything, and he's always a that guy where someone goes, "Oh, I know that guy. He was in that thing where he was the friend of the guy." Um, and that seems to be his entire resume where he is like the supporting actor. So, uh, again, I've got a few of his supporting roles here. He was in Cinderella Man uh, with Russell Crowe. He was in Sideways, which is the movie about the wine tasting. He was in the Tim Burton version of Planet of the Apes. And he plays a fantastic ape covered in the makeup. He looks so good. He was in Man on the Moon, the story of Andy Kaufman. Uh, he had a very small but very memorable part in the um, Al Pacino movie, uh, Donnie Brasco with uh, Johnny Depp, where he has this whole scene where he's like, tell me about when you say, forget about it. And there's this whole back and forth dialogue. But the part that all that I personally have always loved is his role in the Howard Stern movie. Oh, yes. Yes. I was hoping I you would go there. Him. Finally, you went so where good. I wanted
0: you to go. Oh, He
1: sorry. was so good in that role. Again, oh. watch this movie and it's a movie about Howard Stern. It's a yep. biopic about the life of howard stern and it's written and told and acted by howard stern so of course everything in the movie is going to be howard stern telling you his story about why he's the greatest person ever and how he's the king of all media and all of the trials and tribulations of his life but in every scene howard stern is made out to be the hero and of course if you're the one telling that story all the people that stand in your way are the villains and paul giamatti is one of the characters that stands in his way. So, of course, he paints them in the worst possible light in every possible scene. <laughs> and they're hilarious. It is played for comedy so well. Paul Giamatti, it, like, the, the story wouldn't be that funny. The scenes wouldn't be that great if Paul Giamatti wasn't as good as he is. I agree 100%. Oh, he's so – he's so – I'm I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about it where he calls him pig vomit through the whole movie and just the – again, if you haven't seen Private Parts or you haven't seen it in a long time, I strongly encourage you to go and watch it and I mean I think it's a great movie start to finish uh in its own right i mean taking it in the context of what it is it is a great movie for what it is but paul giamatti just he adds another level to it and i want to point out Alison janey who is also a phenomenal actor who has been nominated and has won golden globes emmy awards oscar awards for both her supporting and leading performances has a fairly minor part in private parts she's good and
0: in it though yep
1: great that too Uh, Yeah, this Private Parts is one of those movies where Howard Stern realized, I'm not an actor. So, how do we make this movie great? We surround him with great actors, and there are a ton of great actors in this movie. Paul Giamatti, in the supporting performance in this movie, is fantastic.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you. I'm so glad you went there. WNBC. W N B C. He is yeah. so good in that. I don't think there's anything that, that uh that Paul Giamatti's been in that is he's not good in. He's an amazing actor. He's just like you said, an actor's actor. And a little known fact about him too, his dad was A. Bartlett Giamatti, who was the uh, commissioner of baseball back in the eighties. Really? He's the one that actually put the lifetime ban on Pete Rose. No! Yeah, really? Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, oh, my God. It's amazing. But I'm so glad you went there because he's done so much work. And it's so funny you mentioned Sideways because he was a lead lead actor in Sideways. And he was like perfect for that. But he just he's not a lead guy. He's a supporting guy. But, oh, man, Private Parts. I'm making a note, too. Private Parts is another movie that we got to break down at some point on a future show. OK, my number two. I'm going back to 1984 with a movie that I have mentioned before on the podcast. And that's The Killing Fields. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Have you seen it?
1: Uh, more than once. And and I'll be honest, the very first time I ever watched it was because you suggested I should back in the early 90s after we oh, first yes. met. Yeah. I said, Chris, you're a big movie guy. I'm a big movie guy. And we've just met. Give me your top 10 favorite movies of all time. And you gave me a list. And I think there's only like three on the list I had never seen. And The Killing Fields was one of those ones where I said, not only have you never seen this, I've never heard of this. And oh, wow. you said, Cave, if you want to be a movie guy, you need to watch this movie. And I went, not only did I watch it. I went out and I bought the DVD, and I still have it in my collection, and I watched it a handful of times, and that first time was because you said, you have to watch this movie. And I went, Chris, I take your word for it. I trust your judgment. I'm going to do this. And that I is listened cool. to the podcast that you and you and Yancey did on this. Yep. And again, love, I mean, I thought the podcast was great. I think you guys uh, you know, nailed it 100% as you went through it. And yeah, I, I thought this movie was fantastic, and I would never – ever in my wildest dreams have watched it if you personally had not recommended it to me when you did
0: that's so cool that'd be like back in like 93 94 when we first met i remember i remember we were talking because you and i one of the main reasons and i think i've mentioned this on the pod previously one of the main reasons why we became such good friends is because we just had this shared mutual absolute love of film like not just movies but i'm talking like film buffs like we liked all kinds of film, and I remember—I oh God, I forgot all about that—but I remember that. I now. may
1: actually still have that top ten list. I—I I very distinctly remember writing it down, mm-hmm. and you know what—that's a uh, you know note to self. Yeah. If I have it, I know it'll be in a certain uh, filing cabinet that I have. I'm gonna look for it this week, and if that I can so find cool. it. We'll talk about that on a future episode. That this would be is the something. top 10 that Chris recommended in like 1994 that I should watch. Uh, and I think that the list would probably
0: still hold up pretty well. Oh, I would hope so. So, obviously, from from that uh, movie, uh, I'm going with Dr. Hang S. Ingor, who plays Dith Prawn. One of the most harrowing performances I've ever seen in a film. He wasn't even an actor, and he was a doctor from Cambodia, but he felt so strongly. About the subject matter because he basically lived that character's experiences in his own real life. And the movie, if you have not seen The Killing Fields, you know, be like Caveman, take my advice and go watch it. It's almost documentary in nature. It, his performance, though, it just gives life like I'm talking like real, true human life to this film, because he, like I say, he wasn't a professional actor. His performance comes off just about as realistic as you can possibly get. And that's exactly what the film Needs, you know, that oh, the movie is so good. So, obviously, it's about Cambodia, you know, right next to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and what happens in Cambodia, and with you know, um, with the Khmer Rouge when they come in, and Phnom Penh falls, and all that stuff. But to me, the, the oh, it's so good. And one of my favorite parts is the end of the movie when he greets Sam Watterson's character as Sidney Schaumburg. Oh, in so Cambodia good. at the Red Tears, Cross man. Hospital. Oh, I was
1: crying my eyes out. Me <laughs> too.
0: Every time I see that movie, every single time I watch it, I cry. When they meet and they embrace, and Sydney apologizes and they just hug, and Sydney says, Do you forgive me? And Prawn says, Nothing to forgive. It's nothing to forgive, Sydney, nothing. And just the way he delivers that line, it gets me every time I watch the movie. You know, it, like I say, it's the one movie that makes me cry every single time I watch it. It's a combination of a few things, I think, for me. It's like the fact that it's real. Like it's about two real-life people, right? I mean, they're, 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 it's a true story that actually happened to those people. And I think also the fact that, you know, the genocide of the Killing Fields that itself that happened. And the fact that, you know, Ingor himself, is, he's invested it. In, he's rooted in the content of the film. And like I say, most importantly, the way he delivers that line. Like he's smiling. He's just glad to be alive and glad to be reunited with his friend. It is powerful, powerful stuff. And in is the reason why it works so well. So that's my number two.
1: I don't think I got anything else to add to that. That was yeah. great.
0: God, I love that movie. Oh, I yes, love it so, so much, so much.
1: I'm so good. That, that, is, that right. is the
0: reason why they call them moving pictures, the killing fields.
1: Yeah, for sure. So good. All right. Let's, uh, let's move this upbeat a little bit. Okay. So my number one, again – these all could have been in any order and I think there's actually an outside chance, Chris, that you and I may have the same number one, but probably not.
0: I'm thinking we might. I don't know. I got a sneaky uh, suspicion. We don't uh, share our lists ahead of time. We come into the studio blind, but I got a funny feeling we going to have the same one. Go ahead. All
1: right. My number if I've got the same one, you gotta call it out immediately. Yeah. My number one pick, the late great, Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: Oh, no, we do not.
1: Okay. So Philip Seymour Hoffman, again, another one of the that guy. He was in tons of movies, and for the vast majority of his career, he was the supporting actor. Again, not the greatest-looking guy, for the most part, always a little overweight, always had funny hair. Uh, You know, he he was the lead in a few movies, but he was never the romantic lead that gets the girl. He was always, you know, the character actor.
0: Truman Capote, you know?
1: Yeah, like, that was—so he was the lead as Truman Capote. He won an Oscar for playing Truman Capote, but— Again, that was sort of the anomaly. For the vast majority of his career, he was the supporting guy. You have all your other cast in the movie and then you throw in Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain or as the supporting actor in this minor role where he has a handful of scenes and he just kills it every time he's in those handful of scenes. And as his career went on, his handful of scenes – got better and better and better he didn't necessarily get a lot more screen time when he was the supporting actor although of course because he became a bigger name they started to give him more screen time but he was great so again i'm just gonna run down a quick list of some of the things that he was in so so as a supporting actor he was in twister he was in almost famous which he had a very small part but was so good he was in the talented mr ripley with matt damon
0: matt damon
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was in
1: Moneyball. He was in the Hunger Games franchise. He was in Doubt, which I believe he was nominated for an Oscar for that. And he was in Mission Impossible Three. But the one I want to call out is one of my personal favorite movies, and one of his personal favorite performances is in Boogie Nights.
0: Oh, he was great in that movie.
1: He played Scotty, and he's just so awkward and so like he's clearly a gay character in the 70s working on porno sets seeing naked people all the time but is not doesn't look anything like them. He's fat and he's got bad hair and he's not the prettiest guy and he has no self-confidence and he just wants to impress the pretty people. And he wants those to be really
0: ready. tight cut off jeans that he would yeah. wear. Oh yes. So good. Size
1: is too small. Yep. And it's like, you know, Dirk Diggler has an orange car. So he has to get an orange car. Cause that's what cool people do. And it's like, he's again in a movie like Boogie Nights, where it's such an ensemble of all these great performances by so many great actors. You throw Philip Seymour Hoffman into the mix. He's not in a lot of scenes, but the ones he's in, he's great at. And he's just so good at being so awkward. And that's what was required of that character. And like so many of his performances, he understood. You gave him the script. You said, this is the guy we want you to play. And he reads the script and he's like, "Okay, for sure, I can play this guy exactly like you want me to play him. But he always brings that little something to it that makes it that much better. Uh, You know, he had a very small part in The Big Lebowski, you know, just all these movies that. You go, oh, that's a great movie. Oh, that movie's full of great people. And then you're like, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in that. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess he was, wasn't he? Where he's got these little small parts, but he's so good every time you give him a little small part. And unfortunately, a few years ago, he passed away. And I think that had he lived on and had he had many years ahead of him to continue, he would have been the guy that every year, best supporting Oscar nomination, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he would have been that guy who has all the nominations. And he ends up getting all the awards, not necessarily for the lead actor, but always gets recognized for a great performance. And I think we lost him too soon. And we miss, we're, you know, we miss a giant here. He was great as a supporting actor. In this particular case, Boogie Nights was my my favorite. He's my number one.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, was, I was, wasn't sure if you were going to go with uh, wh- wh- what performance, and I was thinking, oh, I really, really hope that you go with Boogie Nights because he was just so good in that movie. Okay, my number one. Now, as far as the Oscars go, Jaws won for Best Score. It took home an, an, an Academy Award for Best Sound and for Best Editing because Verna Fields is a legend. Um, and, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Lost to Cuckoo's Nest, which I cannot begrudge, you know, so. But how? How in the hell did Robert Shaw not even get nominated for a best supporting actor? I don't understand. His turn as Quint is my number 1 best supporting performance of all time. He didn't even get a nomination. I don't understand. I guess it was maybe back when the, you know, the Academy pretty much hated Spielberg, you know, because he kind of represented the movie brats from the film school generation of directors. I don't know. But that scene the, where they, he he gives his speech about the Indianapolis yeah that was originally written by Howard Sackler and then Spielberg rewrote that scene and then Howard or then um, uh, Robert Shaw said I want to crack at it. and he rewrote Spielberg and so what he reads in that scene he actually rewrote and that was his and it is just Unbelievable. Just the the way he paints a picture of that scene, you feel like you're in the water with those guys on the Indianapolis. It's unbelievable. And he elevates the the idea of the supporting role to something that's iconic. And the thing is, it's still a supporting role because he compliments Chief Brody. He he compliments him perfectly because where Brody's naive... Shaw is like jaded, right? And he also compliments the whole idea of the shark because he's in a boat. He's got all these harpoons. You know, he's got the barrels. He's taken the shark down, and the shark takes him down. It is an unbelievably supporting role in every facet of it. He supports everything that goes on in the movie, uh, but he's not the lead. But he is absolutely phenomenal. Robert Shaw as Quint in Jaws, the best supporting performance I have ever seen in my entire life.
1: I agree. He was great and so now I heard – I don't know if this is true but for that scene that you're talking about, uh, he did the scene the first time and it was just okay. And even he realized it wasn't his best work and then – again, I may not be right here. This is just what I've heard. I've read on the internet. He basically – he went back and he said to Spielberg, let me have a couple of drinks and then tell the story again and he did. And so the scene that you see on film is after he's had a few drinks. And that was the performance they kept because they felt that given the given that what the characters were going through at the time that they were on the boat and they were hunting the shark and they were stressed and they had, you know, all this other stuff that had been going on. I think even in the scene, the characters are drinking. They are.
0: And And they they all come off as if they've had quite a bit to drink in that. scene. So the actors very well could have when they did that. Yeah.
1: And, and I mean a slightly different time where that kind of thing was certainly not as frowned upon as it probably is today. But uh, I had heard – I've heard that that's what happened is he did it stone-cold sober. It was not a great read. Even sort of everyone went, yeah, that was just OK. We can use it if we need to. And, and he, as, as the consummate professional, said, no, no, no. I can do this better. I need a few drinks first. Got to get into character. And then did it. And that's what they, that's what they went with. Yeah. Again, that's, that's what I've heard more than one place. And if it is, you know, my hats off to him because sometimes you have a few drinks and it's a lot harder to get those stories out in words mm-hmm. that make
0: sense. So well, still you know, in character, I mean, and that could very well be the, the case. Um, I mean, I think, I think he was known as a bit of a drinker and I think he was also known as a bit of an ugly drinker, if I'm not mistaken. I,
1: I've heard that too
0: from the stories yeah. that I heard, you know, about him, but um, and that very well, you know. Could have been the thing, but the thing with that scene too—that's just so incredible. It's almost theatrical in nature because the camera is on him, and it doesn't budge. It's just on him, and it's just him filling the screen, and you are just mesmerized. You can't take your—you can't take your eyes off of him. You just watch him, and he just lays out this story. And there's been some great, you know, monologues in films before, but there's something about that one that's just so—you—you you look at it, and you. I think maybe his physical appearance had a lot to do with it, too. But you he is that character. He is that character. And you believe that he was there. You believe he he hunts sharks for for first of all. And you believe that he was on the Indianapolis and you believe that he was in the water with those men. You believe he saw that carnage. You everything about just it's unbelievable. It is truly, truly an iconic, iconic uh, thing. And it's so funny. You know, you and I have talked about this before about some of these, you know, casting directions or decisions i should say these casting decisions that directors make because originally they didn't they that wasn't the first choice robert shaw was not the first choice for that they wanted lee marvin and lee marvin wasn't available and then they wanted uh sterling hayden and sterling hayden wasn't available so they ended up kind of going with shaw because i think um spielberg liked him in the state which was another great performance of his that's a great um, movie Another great supporting performance. But uh, it's just funny that he ended up kind of falling into that role and then just just killing it. Dreyfus fell into his role, too, talking of a supporting actor in that movie. He kind of fell into that role, too, and just killed it as well. But Robert Shaw, man, oh, man. He was something else. Well, there we go. We made it through our, our list, <laughs> lots of amazing performances. It's funny, like I said at the beginning, I kind of thought of ones that I kind of like personally, like, you know, like like Booker, <laughs> you know, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But I thought, no, I really, being the, the film buff in me kind of came out when, when, we, when I was thinking about this a bit more, and I decided to kind of go in a different direction. But uh, anyway, let's lighten things up with a little bit of fun with Caveman. <laughs> okay, Caveman, over to you this week, my friend. What do you got?
1: All right. So I wanted to try and keep this uh, a little bit simple for you. So uh, we we have just spent the last, you know, 45 minutes to an hour talking about supporting actors. Yes. And although we said off the top, this is not an Oscar show, I'm going to give you a bunch of Oscar trivia. Okay. Because I really love the Oscars. I love the Oscars. And I got to think a lot of our listeners love the Oscars. So I'm going to give you a list of names of performers, some, and they've all been nominated for both. Oscars as a lead performer and Oscars as a supporting performer. Okay. What I'm asking you, with each name, which of those two categories have they received more nominations? Oh, wow. As, lead as or a as lead or as supporting? a
0: lead or supporting? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: And then for bonus points, if you want to tell me what movies they've actually won for, great. I'll give you the bonus points. But that's sort of a, a, a you know, a little throwaway extra. My right. real question is, in all cases, have they won more? Uh, have they been nominated more as a lead or a support? And I will tell you now: there's no trick questions in here. Okay. Every person on the list has been nominated for at least one of each category. Okay, good. And in no circumstances at a tie. I made sure not uh, okay, to pick perfect. Anyone who had like two and two, there is a clear, correct answer for every single person I'm going to ask you down the list. Because on
0: a couple of shows, you've been slipping in a couple of far trick questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this time, I want to make it as easy as I can. Sounds but good. I think this, some of these might be yep. a little more difficult than others. So lead performer, supporting performer, everyone on the list has been nominated both. Which of the two categories have they been nominated for most?
0: Most. Okay. Let's okay. give it a try.
1: Okay. So the very first one, I want to say... Is very timely. Okay. It is Albert Finney who just passed away today. RIP Albert Finney. He died at 82. Albert Finney was nominated for five Academy Awards. More lead or more supporting?
0: I will say uh, more lead actor. He's more of a lead actor because go, I'm going back to Tom Jones. So I'll say, uh, I'll say lead. Yeah,
1: lead is correct. Four nice. times a lead actor, once the supporting. Nice. All right. Next one on the list. Frances McDormand.
0: Oh, Frances McDormand. I got to go with lead.
1: No, that's not true. Oh, she's been nominated twice for lead and three times for supporting.
0: Mm, interesting. I just think of Fargo. So I think of lead there. Yeah.
1: So let me ask you, she's mm-hmm. won two Oscars. Can you name the movie? She's, she's won.
0: Um, well, Fargo is one, right?
1: Fargo. Yeah, for sure. Good call.
0: Um, not sure what the other one is.
1: It was last year.
0: Yeah, see, I don't remember anything that happens after 1989,
1: so. Last year was three billboards outside of every. Oh, right, 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 So, right. she's won twice, and it was for both of her two lead roles. She's been nominated three times for supporting, never won for supporting. Interesting. All right. Uh, next on the list, Gene Hackman.
0: Oh, Gene Hackman, I would, ooh, no, I'll definitely say lead. Nope, you're wrong. Supporting. Wow, really? I'm thinking like the French Connection and Hoosiers and stuff like that.
1: He's, he's been nominated five times, three times for supporting twice for lead he's won two oscars one for each can you name them
0: uh he's won the two oscars he won for the unforgiven and he's he won for the french connection yes yes
1: nice bones points good nice. job Ooh, I got all it. right yep. the, one of the most all-time nominated performers jack nicholson more for lead or more for supporting oh definitely more for lead yeah
0: for sure. no.
1: nominated 12 times Lead eight times, supporting four times. He's won three Oscars. Can you name any of the three?
0: Can I name any of his three? Yeah, he won for Cuckoo's Nest that I mentioned tonight.
1: Sure. Can you name the other two?
0: Um, he won for Good as It Gets. Yeah, and what, did he win for Terms of Endearment?
1: He sure did. Yes. You got them all. Good oh, job, buddy. Two oh. for and for supporting. All right, not just a pretty face over there. Hmm. All right, Jeff Bridges.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I've got to go. With, no, I've got to go with lead. No, nope, wrong again. Oh, wow. Supporting
1: four times lead three times. He's won a single Oscar. Can you name the movie?
0: Um, Yes, it was. Oh, what the hell was the name of it? It was he it was a music. He played. a. Yeah. Oh, he played music, but I, it's more of a recent movie. So I don't it is? really remember what it is. I don't remember the name of it.
1: It was called Crazy Heart. Crazy it was for Heart. Oh, performance in okay. 2009. Yeah. But yeah. You, you were almost there. He was like a country oh, singer or something like that. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Next on the list, Joan Allen.
0: Oh, Joan Allen was definitely supporting.
1: Yeah. She's been nominated three times twice for, for, twice for supporting, once for lead. She's never won. Yeah. All right. Next on the list, Judy Dench.
0: Uh, Judy Dench, I will. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with support supporting for judy dench
1: nope wrong five times she's been nominated for the lead actress twice for supporting she's only won one time Name the movie oh
0: okay. she won for shakespeare in love i remember that yeah, but, she did. yeah that was yep. a supporting and she was only in it for like a minute you know yeah
1: like yeah like one of the performances that's had the least amount of screen time and still yes. been nominated and that's why won.
0: yeah it was so famous yeah yep, for that
1: all right from titanic kate winslet yes Lead or supporting? Which one has you been nominated for more often?
0: Um, that is a good question. I think I'm going to go with lead. Yes, you're correct.
1: Four times for the lead. Three times for supporting. Yeah. She's won once. Can you name a movie? Oh,
0: it was not Titanic. No, it wasn't Titanic. She didn't win that year. Um, <laughs> uh, It was more recent. Again, I don't remember. It was an obscure movie. And I believe it was more kind of like a body of work kind of award, you know, that they yeah. give out. I can't remember the name of it. It was a small movie that nobody ever saw.
1: Yeah. The movie was called The Reader in 2008. Yeah. It yeah. was for lead performance. Right. Yeah. All right. Only a few more left. Kathy Bates.
0: Oh, Kathy Bates is good. Kathy Bates, I will go with definitely as a supporting.
1: Yes. She's been nominated three times. Twice for supporting, once for lead. She's won one time. She she won
0: for misery. Yes. That's back in my, that's like from 1990.
1: It was exactly 1990. Lead performance. Good job. All right. That was when she, that
0: was like one of her first roles, if I remember correctly.
1: Indeed it was. How about Morgan Freeman?
0: Uh, Morgan Freeman, I've, gotta say supporting nope really? lead
1: actor three times supporting two times he's won once can you name the movie yeah he
0: won for um million dollar baby right yes, he did yeah, yep.
1: yeah good job but see good that job. was a supporting role it was a support were the
0: leading role, yeah. what were the leading he was was he not supporting for uh Shawshank redemption
1: I honestly, I, you know what? I don't think he was nominated for that, to be honest with you. But I don't have the list in front of me. I no, just have- he
0: he was nominated for Shawshank Redemption. I thought it was supporting. And I I think, I, if I remember correctly, we go all the way back to his first role back in Street Smart. I think he was nominated. That, that's why I, just, I thought he's a supporting kind of guy. Yeah. But oh, well.
1: All right. Nick Nolte.
0: Oh, Nick Nolte. I got to go with the uh, leading actor for Nick yes. Nolte. Yes. Yeah, sure. I couldn't
1: believe it. Nick Nolte's been nominated three times. Twice for lead, once for supporting, never won. That doesn't surprise me. Right. I was blown away that he'd been nominated three times. He's right. been nominated
0: for The Prince of Tides, but I don't think I could name another movie he's been nominated for.
1: Was he not uh, Nick Nolte? No, I was going to say uh, Buddy Holly, but that was Gary Busey, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Gary Busey. Get those two guys mixed up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Renee Zellweger.
0: Uh, Renee Zellweger, I've got to say... I'll say supporting.
1: Nope, she's only been nominated three times: twice for lead, once for supporting. She's oh, won-
0: because of Bridget oh. Jones' Diary. Oh, that's yeah. right.
1: That's she's right. won one time for supporting. Can you name the movie?
0: Uh, yeah, she was. It was the oh, the one where she's wearing like the cowboy hat and she's got the rifle. Cold is it Cold Mountain? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I'll never forget her at the uh, the Oscars that yeah, I'm a big Oscar buff, uh, and I remember her at the Oscars because I just remember like she does, makes that funny squinchy look with her face.
1: All right. Robin Williams
0: uh Robin Williams, I oh, jeez, I'm gonna go with lead. You would be correct. Yes, we think of it because he won um, best supporting actor for Goodwill Hunting. Yes, he did. But he's more of a lead because uh, I want to say Garp and um, and Good Morning Vietnam, right? As lead,
1: he was nominated four times, three
0: times for lead. Dead Society probably the other one, right?
1: Uh, Again, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have the list in front of me. I just had, I was trying to rifle Mm -hmm. these off as fast as I could. But yes, his one supporting was Goodwill Hunting, which he did win for, which you got.
0: Yes, he he beat Bert Reynolds that year, I remember.
1: Yep. Last one on the list. Yes. William Hurt.
0: William Hurt, I will definitely say was a lead
1: actor for sure. Yes, he was. Three nominations for lead, one for supporting. He won one Oscar. Can you name what movie it was from?
0: Uh, I want to say it was for, um, oh, it was... um, it was, it was in the eighties. Oh, the 80s. Children of the Lesser God?
1: Nope. Want to take another guess?
0: Was it Kiss of the Spider Woman? Kiss of the Spider oh, Woman, yes. Oh, oh interesting. So, um, I think of him as also like history of violence and uh yeah, oh god, he was he was pretty good. He was pretty good.
1: He was. Alright, so that was it. Good job, Chris. You got a lot of them, but yeah. I
0: jumped. It's really hard one like, because i I know a lot of these actors and, and the roles and the what they were nominated for, but trying to think like which one is more or less It's that's a that's a good one I like that that's a good nice. uh
1: well we, maybe we'll come back to something like this in a future
0: episode yeah no good job, good job I thought that was a lot of fun um okay, so it's time of the the pod before we wrap things up for me to uh to pick a film for us to come back uh, to watch and come back next week and talk all about uh I'm gonna go way back i'm gonna go back to nineteen sixty eight on you on this one okay and um Horror movies. Okay. I don't know if you're a big horror movie fan or not, but what I want you to do is I want you to go back and watch Night of the Living Dead, because I know you have not seen that movie. Have you, Derek?
1: I, I have not. I'm not a big fan of horror movies, but I am but you're a, a you fan film. of the zombie genre.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, now, I know this one is sort of the granddaddy of all uh, uh, zombie movies. This is one that sparks it all off. I know it's a relatively low-budget movie, and it's a lot of... What you don't see is scarier than what you do see, which I I can certainly appreciate and do love. Uh, so I'll give it a go. So, we'll, so uh...
0: yeah, whether or not you love, like horror movies or not, it's not really, you know, it's not really the point. The point is you're a film buff and horror yeah. is a is a masterful genre for there, there's some bad ones. And I think horror as a genre gets a bad rap because there's so many crappy ones and there's so many like, you know, these slasher movies and all this crap. Right. But there but the horror genre can be phenomenal from a film perspective. And I think this is absolutely one of the best horror movies that's ever made. Probably top two. This and Psycho. This and Psycho I would say are the two best horror movies ever made. And you're right. It's made on a shoestring budget but it has all the elements of a great film. Dude, it really does. It is so good. Low budget. A lot of the performers in it aren't even professional actors. It is absolutely outstanding and the ending packs a hunch so i think you're going to really like this movie and being a film buff i think you're going to have a lot to talk about and 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 i know you're going to watch it through the the eye and the lens you know uh, pun intended of a film buff and you're going to see just how good of a film this is from a from a guy that basically made this movie on like thirty thousand dollars by maxing out his credit cards back in you know 68 so good so it, it is just I really, really hope that you like it. Not liking horror movies. I really hope that you appreciate it as a film. But we're going to find out when we come back next time on Pop Goes Your World. Until then, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.